Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ sermon series. Bienvenidos a la serie de sermones de Harrisburg Brethren in Christ, where our vision is to be a thriving, diverse, urban church sharing Christ's love and serving the needs of our local and global communities. Here's an example of what you hear. If God was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, he's powerful enough to break these chains of addiction on me. He's powerful enough to break the generational curses in my family. He is powerful enough to stop the senseless violence in Harrisburg. I'm telling you this morning the incredible truth that Jesus Christ is crazy about you. Helping each other to experience God's love, God's power, God's healing. Helping to change one another's lives. Church can continue to be a place, or church can continue to become a people, my people. Let's pray. And now here's this week's sermon. Check it out. God bless you. The babies just keep coming. I've told people, don't drink the water here unless you're prepared for pregnancy. And uh, I had a 70-year-old woman came to me one time. And she said, I'm 70. I'm not, I said, don't drink the water. Uh, today, as we continue on the life of Moses, I'm reading again from the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, starting with Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 3,200 years ago, God gave revelation. He gave the Ten Commandments. And the express purpose for this is to show how human beings were meant to live. How to live life at its fullest. The fourth commandment is about the Sabbath day. It says that God made the heavens and the earth and the seas in six days, but on the seventh day, he rested. And he liked the idea so much, he decided to share it. He told us that every seventh day, we were to rest too. The essential way of keeping the Sabbath was for men and women to rest as God had rested. How do we do this? How do we set aside the Sabbath day? Basically, all it says is, quit working. Take a snow day. Pretend it snowed 18 inches just recently. Relax. A funny thing happened to the Sabbath by the time Jesus showed up. The Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into something God never meant for it to be. 
You see, the Pharisees felt they had to help God out. That's always a problem when we have to help God out. The Sabbath was supposed to be easy. The Pharisees made it hard. The Sabbath was supposed to be about rest. The Pharisees made it tense. For instance, they, the Pharisees decided they had to define work. Was it work to pick up a child on the Sabbath? Well, no, they said. Well, what if your child picks up a stone and then you pick up your child? Are you working then? And then they had to determine, well, not necessarily, but how big does the stone that your child picked up before you picked your child up have to be before it turns into work? By the time the Pharisees were finished figuring out what work was, it was forbidden to tie a knot. It was forbidden to light a fire. It was forbidden to walk a certain distance from your house. It was even forbidden to heal on the Sabbath. Steps could be taken to keep a person from getting worse if they were injured on the Sabbath, but you could not make them better. That was work. That's why Jesus was continually getting in trouble. He kept healing people on the Sabbath. The Pharisees changed the whole nature and intent of the Sabbath. Instead of it being a day designed to protect the health of human beings, it became a day when you had better not get hurt because it was against the rules to make you better. Instead of being a day to relax, it became a day of tenseness, making sure in your family did not walk too far and violate the Sabbath, even though the Bible never said how far to work. You see, the Sabbath loses its meaning when it becomes rule-centered instead of person-centered. But that's not exactly our problem, is it? Our problem is not over-observance and over-regulation of the Sabbath. Our problem as North Americans is that we don't observe Sabbath anymore. And it's to our peril. It's to our detriment. Jesus himself said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. The Sabbath is for us. And yet we so often do not practice it in any meaningful way. It was designed by God to meet our most basic human needs, and there are several of them. But the first one is the most obvious one. We need to rest. What if you got on an airplane, a jet, and the pilot came on and said, Ladies and gentlemen, we just want you to know that by the end of this trip, this aircraft will have set the record for most miles flown without stopping for repair or maintenance. Would you be glad to be a part of aviation history? Oh, they haven't looked under the hood on this baby for a year. I feel safe. Or would you feel like you had just stepped on a death plane? For some of us, the only time we truly rest is when we crash and burn. Many of us, you know, by the way, and it is a law of nature. You will voluntarily stop and rest, or somewhere down the line, you will be stopped and forced to rest by your body or your mind or your emotions breaking down. Many of us don't even rest on our vacations. Have you noticed that? We just go from one frantic activity to another. Oh, we got to go see this. Oh, we got to go do that. And, and by the time it's over, I've noticed that people often need two or three days after vacation to get over vacation. And I've talked with many people over the years who freely admitted to me that not only do they not rest often, but they feel guilty when they do. Anybody out there like that? They feel unproductive or like they're not being useful or they feel like they're lazy. And guess what? Technology has made it worse. One writer said, 
Time magazine noted back in the 1960s, based on expert testimony given to a subcommittee of the Senate on time management. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm sure that was, the Senate always does well. The essence of it was that because of advances in technology, within 20 years or so, people would have to radically cut back on how many hours a week they worked, on how many weeks a year they worked, or else they would have to start retiring sooner. The great challenge, they said, was what would people do with all their free time when the technology was developed? All these years later, let me ask you, is, is that your problem? You don't know what to do with all the free time that your iPad and your smartphone and your laptop have given you? Is that your problem? Actually, I find the opposite has happened. There are people who literally take their job home with them every day. They, they tweet or they text or they're emailing at 1 and 1.30 and 2. And two. I've received emails at 2.30 a.m. I'm going, I'm going to have to rebuke some people here. You know who you are. There are no boundaries to work anymore because technology has made it possible for there to be no boundaries to work anymore. Some of us don't stop working ever. I don't use a cell phone. I don't own a cell phone. Don't judge me. You know why? Because I'm fine with people calling me at the office, and I'm fine with people calling me at home where I have another office. But I don't want you calling me on a golf course. And I don't want you calling me at a restaurant with family or friends. And I don't want you calling me when I'm taking a walk. And I don't want you calling me when I'm on vacation. And I don't want you calling me when I'm, uh, uh, you know, on a spiritual retreat at Wernersville. And you know why? Because I'm just not that important. I'm just not that important. I have discovered this. This may shock you. The world can exist without me for hours at a time. This church can exist days at a time without me. I am not that important. Sabbath endorses the notion that God cares for us even when we're not working, even when we're not being productive, even when we're not performing some task. Brothers and sisters, we need to rest. And it must be a priority because God said it was a priority. It's one of the top ten. One of the traps we place ourselves in is when we say, I'll rest when. I'll rest when work is done. I'll rest when the project is over. I'll rest when the house is clean. I'll rest when whatever is uncompleted is completed. If you take that as your attitude, you will never rest, ever. You'll just keep going until your body or your mind break down and they make you rest because there's always work to be done. There's always something that needs to be completed. God says no matter what is completed or not completed, what needs to be done or not done, you rest anyway. Let it go. And here's the key thing, because if you're going to really rest, you have to rest without anxiety that the world will fall apart without you, and you have to rest without guilt. 
You're not resting if you're feeling guilty about resting. One of my favorite quotes on this is from Mark Buchanan. He says, real Sabbath, the kind that empties us and fills us, depends on complete confidence and trust in God. And confidence and trust like that are rooted in a deep conviction that God is good and God is sovereign. There's no rest for those who don't believe that. If God works all things together for good of those who love him and are called to his purposes, guess what? You can relax. And if he doesn't, you'd better start worrying. If God can take any mess, any mishap, any wastage, any wreckage, anything, and choreograph beauty and meaning from it, then you can take a day off. If, you, if he can't do it, you had better get busy. Either God's always at work, or you need to try harder, much, much harder. Either God is good and in control, or it all depends on you. Let God run the universe including yours. Rest. The second reason for Sabbath is this. We need to detox from the world. We need to regularly pull away from the world to see it for what it is. The most dangerous threats to our souls are those threats which are culturally acceptable. The sins that have been normalized, the, the, the things that are bad that our culture calls good, we see it all the time. There are things like workaholism and busyness. We, we, we tell people, oh, you're busy, you must be so important. God says, poppycock and materialism. You know, why is it we have to have more and more and more? And ego and self-gratification and pleasure, all are deadly to the spirit of a Christian. The truth is we live in a spiritually lethal environment, maybe the worst in the history of the world. American society is filled with ideas and values and temptations about success and comfort and happiness that will be unconsciously absorbed unless we step away and look at them for what they are. We have to step away in order to not believe the lies of the culture. We need a time of Sabbath to gain freedom from the forces of society that will otherwise relentlessly mold us. It is during Sabbath that we're called to slow down and come away from the world and let God ask us questions that need to be asked. Like, what stops you from being content? Why do you have to have more and more and more and more? What prevents me from being free as God wants me to be free? What are the chains around me? What are my addictions? What hinders my love for God? Really, what hinders my love for God? Or others? Or even a healthy love for myself? And why am I really busy? What am I trying to prove? What is killing my soul life? Sabbath is to come away and gain perspective. It is to rest from the world's insanity. The world's crazy. Have you noticed? It is to set aside time to detox from the world's poison. I remember when Chris, my son, was 10 years old, and he was struggling with his health. And they kept giving him more and more medicine. And it kept, his condition kept deteriorating. In fact, it was accelerating. And so we took him down to Philadelphia. And there they tested his liver. And when they tested his liver, they discovered that it was only partially functioning as it should. 
It was not helping the body break down chemicals like it should have. And so as they gave Christopher more and more medicine, because the liver was not processing it, it was actually taking the medicine and turning it into a toxin, and it was driving him down physically and emotionally and mentally. There were even times when he lost touch with reality. It wasn't until we discovered what was going on with his liver that Christopher could become healthy. And I learned a lesson from this. What's, you know what's even more important than what you put in your body? It, it's what you get out of your body. In fact, if you want to die quicker, let me ask you a simple question. What will you die quicker of? Starvation for not eating or your kidneys failing? You can live for about 40 days without eating. You're not going to live 40 days with kidney failure. Did you know that? The same with liver failure. The same with other things. Folks, it's just not important. It's not just important what you take in. It's important what you get rid of. That's why we have Sabbath time in our lives, to see what we need to get rid of that is poisoning our souls, to get certain things we must get out of our system. In terms of the culture, we need to ask, what am I believing that I shouldn't believe? What lie am I accepting? What am I letting myself get swept along with? And on a more personal level, we need to ask ourselves things like, what fears drive me? What lusts own me? And there in the presence of God, we give these things to him, sometimes again and again and again. And there in the presence of God, we let God touch our real unvarnished selves so we might be healed. We need to detox, and Sabbath is precisely for that. And finally, God gave us the time for Sabbath to just be with him. Just be with him. No other agenda. To rest and get unbusy and not do with God or do for God, but simply be with him. Because when we finally slow down and let God catch us, when we slow down and finally just let God hold us, it is then and only then we discover that God loves us, not for what we do, but for who, for who we are. His children, his bride, his beloved, his friends. Sabbath tells us God just wants to hang with us. No frenzy workaholic activity, no complicated rituals. He just wants us to be with him. The great lost art of Christianity in our modern world is learning to do nothing but look into the face of Jesus. All real prayer, life-changing prayer comes down to this. Simply placing ourselves, slowing ourselves down, resting and allowing, creating space where God can show up and simply love us. And when that happens, gratitude and praise and overflowing love comes to us. It is so simple. Prayer is not something that is that complicated. It is sitting in the presence of Jesus and letting God love on you. It's only as we just rest with God, doing nothing but just being ourselves in his presence that we realize, as Paul says, we are the accepted and the beloved. We are God's child, and he loves us simply because we exist and we trust him. Let me ask you, 
When you looked into the face of your first child after birth, did you go, oh, I love you. You are going to be so productive. I love you because you're going to change your own diapers. And your room will remain perpetually clean. You know, I, uh, I, I did something like that with our children when they were born, just like uh, Kunta Kinte and Roots. I took each of our children out and held them up to the night sky. And I said, behold, my retirement plan. <laughs> he will make tons of money so that I can live in the lavish style I'm accustomed to as a preacher. <laughs> behold, life will be easier. Car insurance will go down. The house will be neater. The furniture will never break. Is that what you said when you looked at your child for the first time? You know, I don't know about you, but I think it's true. I think you looked at your child for the first time, and you said, I love you because you're mine. My son, my daughter, I love you. Not because you're productive or you're no problem at all or, or you're going to earn your keep. I love you because you are my child. And can we give God enough credit for being at least as kind and loving with us as he is with his children? Sabbath is being still enough to relearn the love of God. You know, you have to experience it over and over and over the, uh, one of the sad, sad aspects of American culture is that we have become addicted to busyness, addicted to productivity. We have tied our entire identity and self-esteem around so many of these things. And one of the awful secrets of American culture is the suicide rate of the elderly, especially among men. Many men who are forced to retire often go through deep depression that sometimes leads to suicide. They feel worthless because they are no longer productive. For far too many men, they are their job. They feel stripped of power and title and meaning when they lose it. And so with nothing to live for, no real meaning left in their existences, there is a growing number of elderly ending their lives. I believe last year, 30,000 people took a gun and killed themselves. Put it to their head or put it to their heart because they felt worthless, because they lost their jobs or something like it. Here's the good news for all of us this morning. My worth is not in what I do because the day will come I can't do it anymore. My worth as a human being is not in what I own because I am going to lose it all. One day it will all be pried out of my hands. My worth is not my work because I can't work forever. Sabbath reminds me of who I really am, the only creature in the universe made in the image of God, the only creature in the universe God died for, the only creature in the universe for whom God spilled the blood of his precious son. I am here to tell you that you and I today are the beloved of God. It is the gift he has given us through his son that I hope we've had enough sense to receive. And it is in Sabbath 
that we rediscover this over and over, and we must rediscover this over and over. It is in Sabbath that we reconnect to our own souls. It is in Sabbath we find that God loves us furiously just for who we are sitting there doing nothing. And this truth only reaches the fullness of experience when we know God loves us, not for what we do and not for what we don't do. Sabbath is what takes us deeper into our spiritual walk. Dieter Zander was at the apex of his career. He was a worship leader, and he wasn't just any worship leader. He was the worship leader for Willow Creek. You can't get a, if you're a worship leader, you can't get a better gig than that. But he had to take a forced Sabbath. One night when Dieter was in his late 40s, he began to shake violently. He suffered a massive stroke in the left hemisphere of his brain. And when he woke six days later, he was no longer to communicate, able to communicate as he had. He had to learn to say his wife's name again. He had to learn to say his son's names again. He could no longer use his right hand. He could not lead worship again. The music and words that flowed out of him were now trapped in his brain. He used to work on stage before thousands of people who applauded his every move. Now he works in a windowless room in the back of Trader Joe's grocery store. He sorts fruit for Trader Joe. When the fruit is bruised or an apple falls on the floor, when the product is no longer regarded as perfect, Dieter sorts it out. And from him, it will go to feed the hungry who do not care if their apple is lopsided. Dieter wrote this. It is good that I work here at Trader Joe's. I am like that fruit. I am imperfect. Inside, I'm the same person, the same sense of humor, the same thoughts. But my words betray me. What should take three minutes to say is an hour of frustration. People lose patience with me. My disability means aloneness much of the time. But here's this Sabbath, and I love this. But God hears me at the back of Trader Joe's. My world is small and quiet and slow and simple. No stage, no performance, more real good to Dieter shock he could call what was going on at that moment in his life good despite everything he gained more than he lost because of the grace of God operating in his life and he discovered there in the back of Trader Joe's it didn't matter how popular he was or how famous he was he was just as embraced in the back of Traders Joe's as when he was on the stage at Willow Creek. God loved him no less when he was sorting fruit than when he was leading worship at a mega church. See, Sabbath takes us to this. Sabbath shows us this. The Sabbath, the rest that God gives is pure gift as is everything he gives. By the way, some of the people that come to this church practice Sabbath in literal ways. They come here, I start preaching, they go to sleep. 
I do not begrudge them at all. I'm going, if you need the sleep, come on in. By the way, you might want to nudge some of them and tell them I just gave them a compliment. Well, we'll move on. All you need for Sabbath is faith and intentionality. Our attempts to earn love only muddy up the waters. I love the story by Cecil Myers in Thunder on the Mountain. He tells about a group of American explorers who went to Africa where they hired the natives to be their guides. The first day they rushed through the jungle. Does that sound like us? And on the second day, they were up at dawn ready to push forward. And likewise, they did the same thing on the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth days. On the seventh day, the American explorers were up early again, anxious to get started. But they noticed that their guides were lying very quietly in their places, not moving. Come on, shouted the Americans. We're in a hurry. But the lead guide replied quietly in his own broken English. We not go today. We rest. Let our souls catch up with our bodies. That is what the Sabbath is for. To let our souls catch up with our bodies. When was the last time you took a Sabbath? Really? Really? You have to be intentional about this. It doesn't just happen. That's why it's a commandment. That's why God says, here's number four. Do this. Make sure you do this. Let me give you a few tips for Sabbath. Practical tips. If Sunday is your Sabbath, and it's a good day to do it, when you're getting ready for church, set out the kids' clothes the night before. And figure out how you're going to bribe them the next day to cooperate coming to church so it's not World War III. Okay? Figure out what food's going to be ahead of time. Maybe you got sloppy joes in a crock pot or you're going to go to this restaurant. Figure it out ahead of time and prepare for it. Decide how you're going to use the day. Is this going to be a day of pure rest where we just do nothing? Is it going to be a day of community where we invite friends over and even have fun? We do board games or even do something wild and crazy like watch the Eagles on TV. Although I, that's not fun. Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset surly Eagles fans. Um, and I apologize for, to cat people for last week. Anyway, they... Plan out your day. Is it going to be a day of reflection? And maybe Sunday can't be your day of reflection. Maybe Sabbath has to be Saturday morning or when the kids are at school Wednesday morning. But plan intentionally Sabbath into your life. Don't let it, don't think it's just going to happen. This is a commandment. This is more than a suggestion. You know, the most famous psalm ever written is the 23rd Psalm, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack anything I need. Why? He makes me what? Lie down where? In lush green pastures. He leaves me besides what? Still waters. Still waters. Not the, not the rapids of life. Still waters. And what happens after he makes me lie down and he leaves me beside still waters? What is the result? He what? Restores my soul. That is the purpose of Sabbath. This is what Sabbath is for. 
We must plan to give God space so that our souls can catch up with our bodies and our minds and our lives. We must make space for it to happen. Sabbath is a gift. It's not an obligation. It's God's gift to you to make life worth living. It's God's gift to you so that you can function and live as he designed life to live. It's not some rule. It's something wonderful. And often we don't look at it at all, practice it at all, and we pay the price for it. Practice Sabbath, and you will be a better person for it. If you're running around all the time exhausted, you need Sabbath. If you're running around all the time stressed, you need Sabbath. If you're running around and the world is just overwhelming you, you need Sabbath. Because otherwise, you'll just keep going, being run into the ground. You'll keep being exhausted and get tired, or you'll keep being stressed and keep on being stressed. There are days you must pull away and let God be God. And detox. And let God love on you. And then you're ready to take on the world. Isn't that what I said in the 23rd Psalm? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or though I walk through the dark places, I will fear no evil. Why? How can they say that? Because his soul, his soul has been restored. And because of that, he goes, no matter what happens, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's what comes out of a restored soul. Amen? I'd like Bart to come up. I'd like the intercessors to come up. We will pray for you for anything. But before we start singing, I just want you to bow your heads, and I want you to honestly ask yourself, when was the last time I practiced Sabbath in my life? And what is the price I'm paying? And while you're at it, ask the Lord what he wants you to do about it. Lord Jesus, lead us into rest. Help us to rest in your arms. Help us to let go of things that chain us. Help us to find time for the things that are really important, including the care of our bodies and our souls. Show us the way back to Sabbath. Whether it's on a Sunday or not, show us the way back to Sabbath. We ask it in your name. Amen.
Would you stand? Lord will lead us and we will pray for any need. Jesus of Calvary. Dear God, we thank you this day for how much you do love us. God, help us to love ourselves enough to take a moment, to take a break, to take a Sabbath, to reconnect with you, to feel your presence. Lord, now as we go, help us to be a people who are pledged to, to let, take these moments and take this life to always be filled by you, filled more of your love, your grace, and your compassion as we go out. God, bless us now as we go and help us to be a blessing who live to share your love with this world. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. God be with you all.